Jewish Money Matters, episode 331, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Middle of June already. I just got back from a wedding and from visiting my children. Had an amazing, amazing time. In the meantime, here on the podcast, we had the wonderful Scott Gartner, founder of the Living Kiddush Hashem Foundation, I had referenced part of that conversation two weeks ago in our Ask Yael episode. Now the conversation is alive, and it's definitely one of those that took a turn I wasn't expecting. I thought we're going to talk about Kiddush Hashem and how it's exemplified in business, and little did I know that Mr. Gartner had stories that showed not just how to make a Kiddush Hashem, but really how Bitachon is exemplified. You've got to listen. You've got to listen to that interview. Head over to Monday's episode. That is, uh, you know, where to find it. All right. So we are going to tackle today a question on parents supporting their adult children while they learn Torah full time, or what is known as attending Kolel, as well as a question on tips for recent grads entering the job market. But before we do that, we're going to say thank you to Chaim, who left a review on June 5th. And he said, this podcast is super valuable. If you're looking for practical and inspiration, you are in the right place. Well, thank you so much, Chaim. Please let me know that you were the Chaim who left the review, and I will send you a calendar link for us to connect over the phone. All right. So our first question comes from Anonymous on Instagram, and she says the following. She says, in the yeshivish world, the expectation is to support your kids while the sons or sons-in-law learn Torah full-time. We are supporting two daughters and two son-in-laws with $1,500 a month each. My husband and I both work. He has a career plus a side business and I have my own business. But still, there is no way that coming up with $36,000 a year extra to support them by the laws of nature is going to work out. My question is, is the proper thought to just wait for Hashem to make it work out and bless us? All right, so that is anonymous question. And then I got a little bit of more background. So I'm going to share that with you guys. Um, and here's what I got. The agreement that she and her husband made when they made these matches, these shiduchim, when they agreed for these matches for their daughters was that they were willing to support their sons or that they were going to support their sons-in-law till the age of 30 years old. The sons-in-law are now 24 and 25, which means that she and her husband still have another five years of providing this, maybe six years of providing this financial support, which she says it's difficult to come by. She says they just came off from paying for two daughters' weddings over the past two years and a Brit Milah for the uh, circumcision for their grandson. So they are in some debt from that. Anonymous also says that despite her husband's salary, his side hustle, income and her business income, they are barely keeping up with their bills. Now, she also added that they agreed to this financial arrangement after having consulted with their Rav. And because she and her husband both feel strongly that they want their son-in-laws and hopefully their sons as well to start off their married life learning Torah and not have their daughters be under financial stress. 
So just to add to that, and some more background that she gave me, the parents of the son-in-laws also help out financially. And the girls, uh, the young women both work. And the Kolel, the Torah institution where the boys, the young men learn at, provides a stipend as well. So between all that and the young couples living frugally, they make it work. They've explained, that is uh, Anonymous, our listening, uh, our listener Anonymous and her husband have explained to their daughters that they will support them until age 30 with $1,500 a month and that after that they're on their own. And they've explained to them that they will need to live small and have side jobs. But Anonymous feels conflicted because she also feels strongly about being a stay-at-home mom and a hands-on mom and doesn't know how the community got to a place where these young mothers are working so hard to keep their growing family afloat while the young men learn Torah, which can be a real strain on the mother's mental health. She says in the Ketubah, in the marriage contract, it delineates that the husband is responsible for parnasa, for livelihood. So not sure how this all got so upside down and backwards. And then finally, she adds that despite all that, she and her husband have crazy amuna, crazy amount of faith, and have had a crazy financial journey where they've seen tremendous help from above and her husband is of the opinion that Hashem will help them and that they just need to make the right decisions. He feels that Hashem will make them make more money in order for the miser to work out, meaning the, the amount that they need to support these children. But she feels that Beder Chateva, within the laws of nature, it would be a huge jump that Hashem would have to make to provide for them. So again, her question is, is the proper thought to just wait for Hashem to make it work and bless us? Okay, Anonymous, this is such a great question. And I thank you for the question and for all the background information. And, you know, it's a tough one for me, guys, because I do not come from a Jewish circle where what Anonymous describes is the norm. So um, I, I did share that with Anonymous. And so while this is very common from for some in the Jewish world, this is very foreign to me. So I'm going to try my best to answer it with the respect and the sensitivity that it deserves. And so the first thing that I'll say is I, I want to acknowledge that the financial strain is can be tremendous. But I also acknowledge that you and your husband, Anonymous, have done many, many right things here. You spoke to your Rav. You looked at what your values are, what's important to you. And you made a financial decision, taking a leap of faith. You've communicated clearly with the children. You're both building businesses that bring in income, etc. So, So kudos to you for all that. There's so much that is great here. But you are still conflicted with your choice because you don't know how this math can possibly continue to work for the next five years. So let's tackle that. First off, setting aside what you think about the fact that the community standards are perhaps a bit twisted and that there's perhaps a need for reevaluating reevaluating how this all works. The fact is that you've committed to this and that you made that commitment having consulted with your RAF and based on your beliefs that this is the right thing for your children or that the benefits of having them fully immersed in Torah learning greatly outweigh the potential cost. You made this commitment with a munambitahon, right? With complete faith and complete trust that God will, can and will make it work. So while, again, while I don't personally subscribe to this kind of financial arrangement or lifestyle, I do know wholeheartedly that Hashem can indeed make it work. And I believe that he will make it work. But here's how he can make it work. Here's how he will make it work. And this is the only way, by the way 
It is with a tremendous amount of bitachon. There is no other way to make this math work. And like you said, according to the laws of nature, this is not something that quote unquote works, but you made a decision that is above the laws of nature. And now what I'm helping you see is that your work is to stay at that level. Do not succumb to the questions, to the doubts that come from the Yetzirah. You have to stay strong in your bitachon. You have to stay at that level where you were when you say, we're taking that leap of faith. We know that this is the right thing. This is what God can do for us. This is what we're going to do for God. You know, and I know some of my listeners might be listening and and, and saying, well, that doesn't, this doesn't sound so much like Yael because Yael is super practical too, but, and, and it might sound like a crazy answer. And it might be also because that lifestyle is foreign to some of my listeners as well. And I'm not saying that I support this lifestyle or that I support putting your financial life at risk for the sake of your children, guys. But what I am saying to our listener, Anonymous, and to all of us, is that if you do live with such a commitment to Torah that you are willing to go out on a limb financially like this, well, for one thing, it is commendable and worthy of respect. But the answer to your question is that if you do live with such a commitment to Torah that you're willing to go out on a limb financially like this, then you have to go all in on that bitachon. It's the only way that this will work. And again, I'm not saying to anyone that they should put their finances at risk to support their adult children until 30. I'm saying that this is anonymous situation and her belief system. And that instead of having questions and doubts, the better response is to strengthen her bitachon because she is right. The only one who can make this work and who will make this work for everyone is Hashem. This is totally above nature. And that's, that's, that's the way Hashem operates, right? So anonymous, um, I'm, 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 I'm with you on this. Like I, I just don't want you to succumb to the fears and the doubts, uh, and the questions. I, I want you to stay, stay in that zone because it sounds like this was a, a decision that you guys made, um, with a lot of, you, you know, a lot of intentionality, uh, and you know, you did all the right things. Again, this is all bitachon. It's similar to last week's uh, question and answer, right? It's all bitachon. So take a page a day with your husband for the next five years <laughs> and study it, right? Take a page, study a page uh, a day on of the books on bitachon, like the Gate of Trust, highly recommended, or like the Maimar on bitachon from the Beis Alevi, also beautiful. Like, I, I really mean it. Like these next five years, you commit yourself to learning with your husband, to studying with your husband a page a day on bitachon, strengthening that bitachon, because that's all you've got. And by the way, guys, that's all anyone has got, right? That's that's what we all have. It's not the coaching business. It's not the real estate business. It's not the whatever business. It really is all Hashem. It really is all God. It's just that in the case of Anonymous and her husband, they have been blessed with a situation where they can see it more clearly than perhaps the rest of us. So Anonymous, another thing I give you is that you can also join my weekly women's class on Bitachon. That's always a lot of fun. You can register uh, for that at yeltrush.com forward slash Bitachon. Um, Again, is the proper thought to just wait for Hashem to make it work out and bless us? Not only is it proper, it's the only way. But you have to do your part. And your part is not only the ishtadlus with the business that you're already doing. Your part, your most important part 
is the bitachon. You've got to fully believe that he will make, meaning Hashem, God will make the math work. And staying in that zone of belief and trust takes daily work. So go do it. Much, much atzlacha uh, to you and the children. Now, Rachel asks on Instagram, this is taking a very practical turn now because Rachel asks, do you have specific tips for recent grads getting new jobs slash incomes? All right. So I'm very, very glad you asked the question and uh, Rachel, and in fact, I do. So here are my tips and these are in no particular order. They're all important. Number one, Rachel, be sure to enroll in your employer's retirement plan. The human resources department will offer you something. You might be tempted to ignore it. You might not know what to do with all those documents. You don't, you might not understand, you know, you might not know what it's about or how it works. Ask, ask them or come back here and ask, but do not ignore it. You want to make sure that you check that box and that you enroll in the plan and that you enroll at least to the minimum that you need to get your employer's match. So you want to make sure that you're contributing at least the minimum that you're supposed to so that you can get the matching contribution for your employer. In the event that your employer does not offer a match, I would say enroll at the very least with 10% of your salary. I know that this might sound like a lot at first because you're going to be on a starter salary perhaps, but believe me, you will be so happy that you did. You'll get used to never seeing this money and to make it work without this money while the money is compounding and growing in the background. This is so, so critical. So yeah, number one, enroll in your employer's retirement plan, just just let that money grow and do what it needs to be doing while you live your life. You'll get, you're very happy that you got used to living on less. Number two, do not get into credit card debt. If you're going to use your credit cards to build credit, since you're starting out, perhaps then use one or two cards at most and be very, very meticulous about paying those out. Do not use them as your default. What I would do is use them for a bill or a few bills that you automate that are small regular bills that you automate and that you then automate the payment to come out of your checking account into the credit card company so that your card is always paid in full. Do not carry a balance on those cards. Do not use the card as a line of credit. Use it only as a bank card. If you can't pay for something in full right now at the moment, do not buy it. Number three, save 10% of every paycheck. So I'm stretching you here, Rachel, but it's like, again, if these things, if somebody had taught me these things early, early on, I, I'll tell you like most of our lives would be so different. Okay. So save 10% of every paycheck. So aside from what I mentioned above, uh, or before, um, in terms of investing in your retirement account, I want you to get used to your, get used to saving 10% of every single paycheck. Like, with the credit card payments and like with the investments, this can also be automated so that you don't have to rely on willpower. Trust me, you're gonna wanna have that cushion, not just in case of emergency, but for opportunities and goals down the line. And I'll wa I want you to eventually define those goals, but for now, just getting that savings muscle exercised consistently from day one will make it so much easier to finance your goals down the line. So try as much as you can to save 10%. Now, if 10% is too much because maybe you're contributing, let's say, another 10% to retirement, um, 
then do less, but do something and automate it and make sure it's happening. Now we're going to talk about number four, which is the percent is actually non-negotiable. And I'm going to tell you to give Meister and that is tithing at least 10% from every paycheck. So have a sub account where the Meister money is collected and from which it is distributed to every cause or person need you come across. Now we've talked in the show a lot about Meister and why that is so important. So I'm not going to expound on it um, here Um, but I assume that you understand that that is where the source of the blessings come from. So again, now that you're starting out and that you potentially don't have any credit card debt, or, you know, you're in a situation where you are financially able to give miser, start doing it religiously, like consistently, just like I'm telling you to invest and to save, I'm telling you to give that minimum 10% from every single paycheck. You will see tremendous blessings from it. Okay. Number five, negotiate. Rachel, do not assume that the first offer that you receive is the final offer. I wish somebody had taught me that early on. There is always room to negotiate and it is expected by the other party that you will negotiate. So don't feel like if if I don't take this job as is, if I don't take this offer as is, I'm going to lose out on the offer. No, they are ready and expecting you to negotiate. So do it. And by the way, your male peers will have negotiated by default. So please, please do it. Don't fall into the, you know, sometimes women, we don't know that that is expected and and it's okay to negotiate and you should. All right. So Rachel, I, I feel like those, those are my top five. And I feel like we could have a full episode probably on each and every one of these tips, right? Um, but we have talked more in depth about all of these on the show. They're all so important. They definitely deserve a deep dive, but, but we definitely have a lot of material on these on the show. So Rachel, in your commute to this new job, I suggest you binge listen to the show as well, because I'm pretty sure it's going to be helpful. And it's going to keep you motivated to stay on track with these five things. Well, you know, negotiating is just going to be now in the job haunt stage, but it's always important to know. And we do talk about it. We have some episodes where we address the topic. So anyways, Rachel, good luck with the job search and with getting that first big job. Come back to me with any other questions, please, on any of these or anything else on your mind. And that is a wrap, my friends. Thank you to Anonymous and thank you to Rachel for the great questions. And thank you all for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcast, and please continue to send in those questions via email, yael at yaeltrush.com, Instagram DM, or LinkedIn. Have a Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>